it's great to see everybody. Uh, we finished last week with our Don't Give Up series. And uh, if you're like us, our life group still has one more video to watch, but it's been a great series. And we've really appreciated it and grown a lot through it, had some great discussions. If you've missed any of the messages from that series, make sure you go online. You can always do that. Check out online, um, listen to the messages, and, and you can get caught up. Let me give you a real quick overview through May. All right, we're actually going to start in May. So in May and in April, we're going to be doing a series called Compelled, where we are going to be compelled by the love of Jesus to look outward and to impact the world. So we're excited about that series. In March, we're going to do a four-week series on financial wisdom. And the idea on this is to help us get aligned with God's principles on stewardship, on taking care of the things we've been trusted with so that we can live lives of freedom and blessing. And then next week, we're going to just briefly touch on a couple of our core values. It's a really important message, and I hope we'll be here for that. Well, today we're going to talk about some circumstances and results that come from them. Now, you know, a lot of times in in situations, we can uh, expect a certain outcome, right? We're just pretty sure the outcome. So, for example, if you act like a friend, you'll probably become a friend. You'll have a friend. If you turn on the tap, you're going to get water. If you play with fire, you will probably get burned. If you live in Ohio, you will be bombarded with political ads every single day of your life. (laughs) But in our lives, we can be pretty sure sometimes that these situations are going to lead to these outcomes. Two short words, six letters, appear dozens of times in the Bible. And those two words change expected outcomes into unexpected ones. And those two words are, but God. But God. You see, when God intervenes, expected outcomes change to unexpected ones. Today, we're going to look at just three examples of those dozens to see how God works and and some related principles that go with those. So we're going to start with a man named Joseph. You've heard this story. Jim recently used the example of Joseph in a message. Joseph was trafficked. Human trafficking existed. He was sold by his brothers into slavery, and then those people sold him again into slavery. But he was faithful to God and, and, and was very hardworking and, and uh, very much a man of integrity. And so he rose to a position of prominence in the house of Potiphar. But Potiphar, uh, his wife, lied about Joseph's intentions. They were actually hers. But she lied about his intentions. He was then thrown into prison, falsely accused. In prison, he remained faithful and a man of integrity. He was helping people, providing good things, and he was overlooked. He was ignored. He was forgotten. So he eventually did this one more time. He kept helping people. Finally, uh, he was able to predict the upcoming famine. And not only was he able to do that, he was placed in a position of authority so that he could help prepare not only Egypt, but all the surrounding lands for this coming famine. And when he did that, his own family, his brothers, who many, many years before had sold him into slavery, came and they appeared before him. And uh, here's what Joseph said about that situation. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it 
for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, several situations in Joseph's life, he could look back and say, wow, bad outcomes, and I didn't do anything wrong. But his perspective was, in everything, God was at work to bring good. You know, our enemy intends to harm us. He's been doing it from the beginning. And yet, in all things, God is working to bring good. The enemy lied to Eve, to Adam. The enemy lies to us. And all of us have turned our backs on God. We've, we've chosen for ourselves. We've been prideful. We've broken our relationship with God. And it's so broken that there's nothing we can do to fix it. It's hopeless. But God brings hope. And the greatest example of that is the cross. What we just celebrated, what Jesus has done for us. And in Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, it says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us to death. The death of Jesus on the cross. That's amazing love. And it points out this first amazing principle, that God brings good out of challenges. God brings good out of challenges. And we just looked at two very quick examples, but there are all kinds of places in the Bible where this happens. Sometimes we see, but God, and then, you know, those actual words are written. But there are many other times when we don't even see those words, but the principle still remains true. For example, Jesse's sons, Numbers 1 through 7, are expected to be the next king. But God chose a shepherd named David. That same David should be killed by the war lord monger Goliath. But God uses David's faith in a sling and a stone to defeat the giant. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and should have been a late night snack for them. But God shut the mouths of the lions. The disciples are in a massive storm and they think we are going to drown. But God calms the storm. One time, many years ago, I was driving at Hamilton and Refugee Road on the southeast side of Columbus. I was going on Hamilton. I'm on Refugee. I was borrowing my sister's little Isuzu pickup truck. And I was driving through that intersection. The truck just stopped. I mean, dead stopped. And it couldn't start. Couldn't get it going. So I'm sitting in the middle of the intersection. It's at night. It's dark. No lights. And the traffic is coming south on Hamilton Road. And they are flying. I mean, it's like 50 miles an hour. So I say, okay, what am I going to do? I get out of the truck, and I think I'm just going to push this truck through the intersection, which I start to do, and then I hear, jump in. And I look, and there are two guys standing there behind the truck. So I hop in. They push me through the intersection into the Wendy's parking lot. 
And I turn around to say thank you, and I can't see anybody. I mean, like, there's literally nobody there. Now, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if those were two angels that God showed up, that he did a God moment, or if I was just dumbfounded and in shock, and by the time I turned around, the two guys that God provided had gone. But either way, it was a but God moment. The expected outcome was my, my sister's truck and my body were getting ready to be hit by cars. But God intervened. I would encourage you, it may be a dramatic situation. It may be something that seems more mundane, but is just as miraculous that you would share in your life group this week a but God moment in your life, a time when God intervened and changed an outcome and brought good. Let's look at another situation with an unexpected outcome. So there's a rich man, and he has a great harvest. And it's so abundant, he doesn't have enough room to store it all. So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down these smaller barns and build bigger ones. And then he says in Luke chapter 12, starting verse 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? God's words to this man are for us as well. We cannot forget that our days on this earth are limited. And one of these days will be our last. So on this day, the only one I know I have right now, what am I pursuing? Am I pursuing a relationship with God? Or am I pursuing things that won't last? Am I thinking of others? Or am I thinking only of preparing things for me? You see, there's a second principle here. Foolish people bring challenges out of good. We have a picture, brand new picture. It keeps getting filled up. It's so full of water, we don't know what to do. So we decide, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drill some holes in this stupid thing. Kind of tired of it being full all the time. So there we go. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. For my new picture, I'm going to drill some holes in it. Now, who would do that? That doesn't make any sense at all. Why would someone take a picture that has the capacity to hold massive amounts of water and drill holes in it? No one would do that. The man, as he was trying to figure out what to do, thought he was preparing things, and yet he was drilling holes in his life, holes in his soul, where all of the things that had been given to him would just go away. He lost perspective. He foolishly thought everything was for himself. He had an entitlement mentality. 
so much good was given to him. And he foolishly lost it all, and he lost his life. Well, let's look at one more situation. Paul is a faithful follower of Jesus. Paul has seen God intervene in his life numerous times for good. And yet, Paul, who, who experiences God's presence in ways I could only imagine, finds himself at a place of discouragement, a place of anguish. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, this is what he says. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. In other words, he is just feeling pressure. It's all around him. It's inside him. He is discouraged. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Now we could just easily read this and move on, but there is a remarkable principle happening here. There is deep theology that we cannot miss. We must not miss it. And this is it. God comforted Paul through people. This but God moment was God showing up through others. You see, God's people bring good out of challenges. Sometimes we get to be the but God moment for good. God uses ordinary people to impact others. And that gets me excited. It does. It gives me perspective. It helps me have purpose and joy and peace and satisfaction. I hope it does that for you as well. When we follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit empowers us, we become ambassadors for God. If you read in the same letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of, of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We get to be a but God moment to the people around us. God through you will bring unexpected outcomes. But God through you will bring unexpected outcomes. Yes, God has blessed us physically, but he has also blessed us in so many ways especially spiritually. God pours himself into you to fill you and so you can fill others. All of us who are followers of Jesus have the greatest news of all, the greatest news of all, Jesus. And that's not hyperbole, that is truth. 
We have Jesus. And we have the opportunity to share that good news. There are so many people around us who have not yet had a but God moment in their lives. And God is saying, would you please share? There are people around us who are spiritually dying of thirst while we cling to the living water. People around us who are hungry spiritually. They're starving. They're trying to find nourishment on things that will never, ever satisfy. And we hold on to the bread of life. We need to enjoy God's goodness. And we need to share God's goodness. We need to enjoy God's goodness, but we also need to share God's goodness. Now, some of you really need to focus on that first line. You always focus externally. And if that's all you do, that's actually not what Jesus would ask. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There is a healthy love for ourselves that God expects. And if you ever feel guilty about caring for yourself physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, you need to stop that. You need to be healthy in your relationship with God. God is a father who loves to give good gifts to his children, and you need to enjoy them. Now, the problem is a lot of us who are thinking, that's me, you're actually the second line person. And the first line person is the second line person. But some of us do need to focus on the second line. We have amazing amounts of self-love. Maybe a little too much. Maybe a little like the man with the barns. We're preparing things for ourselves all the time. You love yourself, but do you love your neighbor? Truthfully, do you love your neighbor? Do you know your neighbor's name? Do you know what's going on in their life? Don't be like the fool who was blessed, but tried to keep everything for himself. God blessed you with more than you need. You should not hoard God's goodness. And there's a delicate spiritual balance here that requires the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. On the one hand, we need this. It's all about you. It really is. And on the one hand, it's about you because Jesus gave his life for you. And if Jesus gave his life for you, that is incredible. There's nothing of more value. But on the other hand, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. And you need to share the reality that Jesus loves someone around you as much as he loves you. He loves them as well. So are you enjoying God's goodness? And are you sharing God's goodness? And I think, you know, we, we can evaluate ourselves on this and we should, and we should ask the Holy Spirit to convict us. But the reality is we don't see where we are in uh, imbalance, where we are out of balance on this. 
And we need people to say, you're focusing too much on others. You actually need to pour a little bit into yourself right now. It's okay to receive sometimes. Or, honestly, I see you focusing a lot on things that aren't going to last. You're focusing on yourself a lot. You need to focus on others and pour out yourself for them. We don't see what others see. So you have to be in a relational community. You have to be in a life group. You have to be in a small group. You have to be in a discipleship group. You have to talk about things with your family of significance. Or we're going to miss it. And we have to be authentic. And let people know what's actually going on. We need to enjoy God's goodness and we need to share God's goodness. Both are important. Someone around you is waiting for God to show up. Someone in your life, maybe in your house, maybe across the street, maybe in your workplace, maybe at your school, maybe far away, but you know their story. They're waiting for God to show up. So you need to pray that God intervenes. But you also need to remember that some of God's intervention is that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And he is calling us to that. You may be someone's first but God moment. Now, I know that Sometimes we feel like, that, that's not possible. I've messed up too much. They actually know me too well. They've seen me mess up. They've seen me drill in holes in my life. But here's what's cool. God has the ability to fix things that we can't. God will come into your life and say, yeah, I know. I know you've messed up. I know you were building bigger barns. You're doing that physically. You're doing that financially. You're doing that spiritually, doing that relationally. But you know what? Let me make it so that you can be one that not only receives, but also pours out for others. And God will do that. Maybe you say, I've never even done this before. I've never shared encouragement with someone before. Well, that's okay. You can now. God will use you to fill others. You know, what's interesting is if you had a full pitcher of water, if this was full and we poured it out, what, what would the expectation be that the pitcher would be empty, right? One of the amazing things about God is when he fills up your life and you pour it out, you find that your pitcher is full again. You have to spend time with God to be refilled, but he will refill you. You can't outgive God. You can't outbless God. You can't outminister God. As you pour yourself out, he will fill you. And you will get to be the hands and feet, the ambassador, the representation of God to someone around you. So the question is, who is that? Who is that person? And are you willing to do that, to make a difference? Let's pray. God, you are good. 
And you love to give us good things. You love to give us great things. You love to give us the best things. So remind us not to cling to your blessings, especially spiritually, but to share them with others. Again, God, help us to do that in every area of our life. And we thank you for pouring out your life for us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. This has been a sermon series by Discover Christian Church. Find more at discovercc.org.